0: Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Drafting Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday night as I'm recording this, following a pretty ugly Denver Nuggets loss. This this may or may not have been the uh, worst loss of the season, uh, given the context, given where Denver was, given who they were facing, and frankly, just given how they played. This was a a really ugly game from the starting units, including Nikola Jokic, and it just was kind of embarrassing to be in that arena tonight and and vouching for this team in a way that that says that they're going to actually do something in a playoff series. It didn't look like that team tonight, and frankly, this was just wild. It it, it was a wild game to witness, and... It's just some bad energy, whatever it was going on. I'm not really sure how to even explain it. I will do my best to try. Uh, The bench was much better than the starters and frankly, deserved to close over the starters. That didn't happen. And the Nuggets ultimately lost because of it. Not because of it, but like as part of it. But I do think that we have to start with the starters. They were not great. And I think the defining number for that starting group was 1 of 25 which was our three point percentage and it wouldn't have it would have been 0 of 24 had Aaron Gordon not made a 3 with like 10 seconds to go in the game when the game was already decided pretty impressive honestly like it's it's hard to miss that many threes if you are out there for as long as they were and this is not New to the Nuggets. They've been mostly good from the three-point line for the better part of two months. But for January and February, they were very good. And and maybe March is just the the month where they go back and revert to old form. I don't know. I don't know if this is the start of something bad or just something completely abnormal that you can completely wash it away. But you just look at each of the guys. Nikola Jokic goes 0 of 4. He's usually good for at least one. Monte Morris goes 0 of 4. He had been making a bunch of late. Will Barton goes 0 of 9 from 3. 0 of 9. He's on the the cusp of breaking the three-point record for the Nuggets. He needed to go 2 of 9 to break the three-point record and couldn't even get there. Aaron Gordon finally made one, was 1 of 7, and Jeff Green kind of a very standard Jeff Green performance tonight in general, but he was O of 1 from 3. And all of the starters share fault for this. And I'm going to start with Nikola Jokic, which I know people are going to want me to bash Will Barton and bash Aaron Gordon and whatnot. If you want me to do that, fine. But here's the problem with the Nikola Jokic offense, and here's the biggest problem with Nikola Jokic. Smart teams, and let's face it, OKC is a smart team. They know what they're doing. They, despite the fact that they've been at a talent deficit for much of the season and for much of the last two seasons, they've given Denver issues. And it's for a tangible reason. It's not just because the Nuggets are taking them unseriously. They pack the paint in such an obnoxious way that it is against Nikola Jokic's nature to go through that, to fight through that and try to score himself. Rather than do so, he was making the early pass on so many occasions. I know he led the team in shots. He kind of had to. They did set him up for some good stuff in the middle of the floor on occasion. But for the most part, when he posted up tonight, there were so many post-ups that he was double teamed on the catch Or they were shrinking the floor and made it easy to double team. And so he kind of had to pass out to the open guy. And then OKC would either recover out to that shooter or let them shoot. And tonight, this was a very abnormal night in that Denver just couldn't get anything to drop while the starters were out there. Usually, those guys are good for 37%. About. Will Barton's at about 37% on the air. Obviously, that's dropping tonight. Aaron Gordon's at about 33%, Monte Morris is about 39, Jeff Green's at about 31. But if you told me that the rest of those guys shot about 36% on average, I'd say yeah, that's about right. To go 1 of 25 as a collective unit is just insane. It's almost as it's almost insane to the point That I don't know if they could repeat that performance if they tried to, and I don't even know if I should factor that in to future analysis or not. My guess is no. My guess is that this is such an abnormality that you just kind of chuck this game out the window. But there are some things that I'm going to talk about in the third segment regarding Jokic and his weaknesses, and he does have them, and regarding the Nuggets starting unit without Murray, without Porter. And what it means for a playoff run. I'm going to talk about that later, but for now, Jokic was 10 of 17. He had 22 points, 16 rebounds, four assists, two steals, six turnovers. There were some insane turnovers that Jokic had tonight, where he's trying to push the pace, he's trying to pass the ball in transition, thread the needle to a a cutter in transition or somebody trying to get the ball over the top. And at least three of his turnovers were just this, were just him making a bad read and doing something dumb. And he's not usually doing something like dumb from a passing standpoint, but tonight he was off base, just completely out of whack and thrown by what the Thunder were doing. He wanted to find some easy points and throw the ball ahead, and he kept missing the mark. I don't think he hit any of those four assists. There were either deflections out of bounds or the Thunder, or they were just like, I don't know, like getting back in transition, or it was a turnover. And so Jokic definitely shares fault in all of this. I know he was the only guy where where you can look at his shooting numbers and be like, oh yeah, he did something. Yeah, because he's Nikola Jokic and because he's supposed to. That's how it's supposed to be. He was a minus 27 tonight against the Thunder. That's insane. That's just borderline insane. And to let Isaiah Roby and Darius Baisley and Alexey Pokushevsky and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Trey Mann control his offense like that is insulting. He has to be better. If the other guys are not going to hit shots, he's got to force the issue a little bit more. He was not getting turnovers by losing the ball or by getting a charge drawn against him or by – like like he wasn't really missing shots at the rim. He was 10 of 13 from two-point range, and one of those shots was blocked right back to him, and he just laid it up. So for the most part, on the trips that he had to the paint, he was perfectly fine, especially didn't force the issue enough. He's very content trying to get others involved, and there are going to be moments like this throughout the year and probably throughout the playoffs where the shots dry up and Denver loses games, and it's just not good enough. Also, Isaiah Roby took him to school on the offensive end, on the other end of the floor. Isaiah Roby had 26, 9 of 13 from the field, 4 or 5 from 3, drew fouls against him to get to the free throw line. Isaiah Roby was a better player than Nikola Jokic tonight. That's pretty sad. Pretty sad, to be honest. Will Barton, the three-point mark is clearly in his head. He is 0 of 15, as Jake Coyne tweeted out tonight. 0 of 15 in his last 15 attempts. And he was 0 of 9 tonight from three. At, at this point, I don't know when this record is going to be broken because he's so clearly in his head shooting the ball right now that he's just completely off the mark. And the fact that Michael Malone closed with him tonight was a, a terrible call. Just, just really, really bad. I know he wants to trust his starters. I know he wants to try to make the right decision. And, and he has ridden his bench into the ground before. But just getting back Jokic into the game, and even Aaron Gordon, would have been fine. Would have been good enough. Didn't need Will Barton back in there. Didn't need Monte Morris back in there. They frankly didn't deserve to go back in. And Will Barton down the stretch was hunted relentlessly by Shea Gilders-Alexander on switches, and Shea tore him up every time. It was kind of sad to watch, to be honest. Like Will has never been searched out that way before except for against LeBron James and Kevin Durant. I hope that this isn't a precursor of things to come. But it looks like Will Barton is kind of in his head right now, and you hope that he can get that confidence back pretty soon. Because this is a this is the easy part of the schedule. It's about to get much harder, much quickly, very quickly. Aaron Gordon, four of 12 tonight from the field, one of seven from three. The fact that he attempted seven threes should tell you all you need to know about the health of Denver's offense. Like that's it. He grabbed three rebounds, had zero assists, was cooked by Shea Shea Gildas Alexander for the first three quarters of the game, and just was not a helpful player either. He tied with Jokic for minus 27 as the lowest plus minus on the team. And Gordon was probably the worst guy out there tonight. He did not look good. At least Will Barton had five assists and was creating some good offense for his teammates. Will Barton grabbed seven rebounds. Will Barton had the same number of steals as Aaron Gordon. Will Barton had less turnovers than Aaron Gordon. This was not a good night for Aaron Gordon. He looked lost guarding Shea. And this is now. What, the third game in a row or so? That when he's guarded Shea, he hasn't been a good matchup for him? That's not great either when you're thinking about what a playoff series is going to look like for this team. So, again, hope it's just one of those games. Monte Morris, 2 of 9, 4 from 3. One turnover, so not, not that worst thing in the world. Four assists, did have three steals. Uh, I don't remember a lot of good things that Monte did, frankly. He had four points. Um, I couldn't tell you one of the steals that he had because I don't think it led to anything of importance. Denver had eight fast break points tonight. And I very much doubt that they were like created by Monte tonight. And then Jeff Green, eight points and then zeros across the board for rebounds, assists, Steals, blocks, fouls, zeros. He had one turnover, and Darius Baisley outplayed him. It was pretty cut and dry, like just, just a sad sack performance from the starting unit. It was embarrassing. It was, it was frankly just an embarrassing game to watch. And before the game, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to try to be positive. I'm, I want to, I want to watch the game and enjoy it. And then you've got Jeff Green with a minus 21, Aaron Gordon minus 27, Will Barton minus 25, Nicole Jokic minus 27, and Monte Morris minus 22 against the Oklahoma City Thunder who are missing half their roster. It's just crazy. Crazy tonight. Everybody that they had available tonight played. It's just crazy. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will get a little bit more positive. We'll talk about the Nuggets bench and what they were able to do tonight, which was far and away much more exciting. But first, this podcast, as you know, Hoop fans, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, and the official sports betting partner of the NBA. They have a deal that is still too good to pass up, as we are talking between-the-legs 360 windmill dunk good. New customers can bet just $1 on any NBA team get $150 in free bets if they win. It is that simple. DraftKings also offers customers same game parlays where you combine multiple bets together from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. Get 150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code MHS. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See draftkings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Back at it, pickaxe and roll, Ryan Blackman here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you could, it'd be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe to the program five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Ravigator you Podcasts. That would be spectacular. Okay, let's get into the bench unit. And and as drastically bad as the Nuggets bench or as the Nugget starters were, the bench was really good. They almost made up the difference for what was a Catastrophe of a starting unit performance. Uh, let's just go through it. Bones Highland plus ten. Bryn Forbes plus nine. He he over uh, lapped with the starters a little bit, so his is going to be a little bit lower. But Austin Rivers plus fifteen. Jamichael Green plus thirteen. Demarcus Cousins plus fifteen. Those are some really good numbers. And and Demarcus's was plus fifteen in fifteen minutes. He was very good. And. It wasn't just him. Like, I I do think that this time it was more more so led by the guards, led by Bones Highland, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers a little bit. What those guys were able to do scoring the ball definitely got Denver back into it. And they were shooting the ball with confidence, really, really approaching this uh, from a position of strength where Denver went down with their starting units and then the. the bench brought them all the way back and actually gave them a lead for much of the second quarter. Uh, Bones Highland, we'll start with him. 19 points, six of eight from the field, five of six from three, four assists, two rebounds, one steal, only one turnover for Bones, which that's a great sign that Bones, after he had rolled his ankle a couple games ago, was pulled from this last game due to maybe not necessarily having it against The Blazers on the second night of a back-to-back from a physical standpoint, Uh, Malone protecting him a little bit puts him back into this game, and he definitely pays that off. In 22 minutes, he was a plus 10, and he's leading that unit. He's doing a lot of good things, and you like to see that from a, a rookie, from somebody who has been up and down over the course of several weeks now, frankly, the entire season. But this is the performance that you're looking for from Bones where he can really get his shot off, and he spaces the floor so much much better than the starting unit, frankly, where Will Barton, he wants to be a little bit more on the three-point line. Monte Morris isn't necessarily taking the deep shots. Aaron Gordon, you're kind of wavering as to whether he makes sense taking those shots or not. Jeff Green doesn't take a lot of them anyway, and mostly it's in the corners. Bones gives you that vertical spacing where he can go 28 feet, 30 feet away from the basket and still be a strong shooter in most cases. And he's put his range to that point where teams have to guard him all the way out there. And it gives screeners an easy target for when they're trying to make contact and give him separation and pick and rolls and DHOs and things like that. It gives more spacing to other guys when they're trying to drive. Just having players that shoot the ball well and have a quick trigger are going to be so, so important for Denver. Bryn Forbes, kind of same thing, where 18 points from him, 5 of 12 from the field, 5 of 11 from three, got a little bit shot happy at the end, and he was in the game to close along with Morris, Barton, Gordon, and Jokic. And it's a it was a good thought to to have somebody out there who could be a leading shot taker, but his shots just kind of dried up from there. Um late in the fourth quarter after he was pretty tired. But for much of the fourth quarter, for much of the second quarter, and the first quarter, by the way, he was very good. He was a leading guy tonight from a shooting standpoint, and frankly helped kept keep Denver in it where you had Jokic go off for 22, you had Bones go for 19, you had Forbes go for 18. Nobody else was in double figures. You had a bunch of guys with like four points, six points, nine points. You only had three guys in double figures, and they were Jokic and the two floor spacing guards who probably should have closed this game, to be frank. Austin Rivers also deserves some credit here. He gave Shea Gilgis-Alexander the most trouble of any of Denver's guards. Shea had zero issues against Aaron Gordon. He had zero issues against Will Barton. Monte Morris didn't really defend him at all. But he did have some issues against Austin Rivers, who I thought defended him reasonably well. Got a couple steals, uh, tied for the team lead in plus 15. Austin Rivers was questionable tonight with non-COVID illness, so it was nice to see him fight through that and then put on a, a good performance. That would have been very helpful for Denver. I wonder if Denver would have been better served. Had they just brought back in Aaron Gordon as the four, have Jokic at the five, and then had Bones, Forbes, and Rivers out there with uh, with Rivers defending Shea. That probably would have been the best thing for the Nuggets. And it didn't happen, obviously. That's that's not what happened for this team, and that's too bad. But it does seem like the Nuggets are trending towards Austin Rivers being a mainstay in every single rotation, where when when Murray comes back, if he does, and when Porter comes back, you're still going to need a guard who is going to be versatile enough, who's going to be quality as a perimeter defender, that there are going to be times where I think when Porter comes back, that you might see Barton not close the game or Morris not close the game or Gordon not close the game. And you'll see Rivers out there as one of the leading perimeter defenders on the team. And, And let's face it, like I was supposed to talk about this in the third segment. Rivers is out there because Aaron Gordon has not held up his end of the bargain as a perimeter defender of late. There are a lot of guys that have been able to get wherever they want to, against AG. Have been able to navigate pick and rolls, been able to go at him in isolation, been able to take him in open space. And Rivers has put up much more resistance over the course of the last two months or so than Austin or than AG has. And it's not really close, to be frank. It could be more matchup based, it could be because AG is 6'8 trying to defend some six foot two and six foot three guards. And That's tougher, but it doesn't matter because Denver signed AG to a four-year, $90 million extension. They're going to need him to defend some of those guys. Frankly, he's the guy that I'm thinking of with Devin Booker, that if the Nuggets have to match up with the Suns again, you're going to put somebody on Chris Paul, and they're going to have AG on Devin Booker. And There's a lot of matchups that Gordon's going to have to be good for. And I don't know if he's going to be good. Like, frankly, he just hasn't been as good of a defender this year. I had somebody ask me, why aren't you pushing for more Aaron Gordon buzz for all defensive team? Because I don't think he deserves it, frankly. I think that Rivers has been a better perimeter defender this year. And that's too bad. That's, that's. I mean, it's good that Denver has Rivers on their team, to be clear. He's been very helpful over the course of these past few weeks. I just think that Denver's in a tough spot. The combination of Jermichael Green and DeMarcus Cousins continues to be very helpful. Um, I do think that Cousins tonight, he was in an interesting situation where he didn't have to have the high usage that he normally does. Only attempted five shots, only attempted two free throws, only had one turnover. It's pretty much a a lower usage night for him as Forbes shot more, as Bones shot more. Jamichael Green was three of seven. Uh, He grabbed several offensive rebounds tonight and had 10 rebounds total. DeMarcus Cousins had seven in 15 minutes. That's still a great number. Denver continues to need that, and they've needed that physicality from those guys. They needed to dominate somewhere with that group, and they found a nice rhythm as a tandem in beating up the offensive and defensive glass. That's been the most important thing for those two. It's not just the playmaking, it's not anything really. It's primarily rebounding. And they've done a great job with that. Denver's the leading defensive rebounding team in the league. and for a good reason. Not much really to talk about with this group. This is what this group has really established. There are different lead characters at different points for this group, uh, for this bench. Like, DeMarcus Cousins is the leading guy for most of it, but Brent Forbes is liable to go off at any point. Bones Highland liable to go off at any point. Jamichael Green has been shooting a lot better lately and is in a much better role that has established himself a little bit. Austin Rivers, I'd say, is definitely the fifth guy right now, but that doesn't mean that he can't make an impact just as much as any of those other guys. And he also overlaps with the starters a lot because he's a good defender and can do a lot of different things. So I'm glad that we've been in this situation. We've gotten to this point now where the bench has now figured their shit out. They figured out who they are. They've identified and circled what they want to be, how they are going to get there. They found a group that makes sense against a lot of different groups. And there's going to be some changes over the course of these next this next month or so, as hopefully Denver gets two guys back as opposed to just one or none. But if they get some guys back, and there's going to be some different lineup tandems and whatnot, Denver's going to have some questions in there, like in their ultimate task for trying to find it the right playoff rotation with this group, and it's going to be going to be tough. But for now, they found a group that makes sense. And it should be celebrated that they found a group that makes sense. But this is just another game in a row where the starters have not brought it. Against the Blazers last game, it would have been impossible to go negative because of how bad the Blazers lineup was. Tonight, the Thunder had SGA. And they had guys that give Denver some issues. They went stretch five. They put Denver to some tough positions, and you saw them reap the benefits of that. So hopefully this is a good wake-up call. This is what Denver needs, but the next segment is actually going to be on recalibrating expectations. Because I think that is also something that Denver needs when we come back. All right, we're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I know that this is a tough game to listen and hear about, and I know that my general personality is probably not helping with that because it was, it was a pretty negative aspect uh, for this particular game, uh, but that's unavoidable. Like you, you can't speak about this game from positive term, terms with the starting unit. There just wasn't anything positive, and that's that's too bad, but... Hopefully you can throw this game away. I hope the Nuggets throw this game in the trash. Uh, But they are going to need to think about this game going forward. Because I think there are going to be some uh, weaknesses that showed through tonight that other teams are going to try to exploit in a playoff series. But for now. We've heard a lot about Michael Porter lately. We've heard a lot about his ultimate journey Uh, He was in town in Denver tonight. He was not in Grand Rapids. The Nuggets will make a grand pronouncement when they send him to Grand Rapids. And if, if that's ultimately what they do, I expect that to be what they do. Grand Rapids had a game tonight. My guess is that MPJ will be on a flight tomorrow. And he will go to Grand Rapids and work out with them for the next few days he may or may not come back to Denver on Sunday or somewhere around then, and, or he, may, he might stay and he might come back to Denver next week at some point and figure it out at that point when it comes. But tomorrow, Friday, or not, not Friday, uh, when you listen to this on Thursday, it will be March 3rd. And the hope is that MPJ spends about a week of time kind of ramping up for a little bit with the G League team to about March 10th or so, maybe comes back at that point, gets integrated into what the Nuggets are doing. Denver's going to go on a road trip. Hopefully, Michael Porter's paying attention to the road games at that point, and I'm going to have games on the 14th, the 16th, and the 18th. And then you come back for a four-game homestand on the 20th. The 20th, the 22nd, the 24th, and the 26th. And the hope is to get him back then. Now, if you do get him back then, then There are some some positive things that are going to happen. Um, Denver, at that point, will have just a a very small number of games remaining. Let me just check which numbered game that is. Let's say he comes back on the 20th. That's game number 72. So, hypothetically, if he plays all of the remaining games, which I don't think he would, but hypothetically, let's say he plays all of them, that gives him an 11-game curve that he gets to go through before kind of ramping up and being placed into the role of whatever role Denver asks him to do. My hope is that he gets back into the starting lineup, especially after watching tonight. Um, But you never know. You never know what Michael Malone would want. My guess is that Michael Malone would prefer for him to be the bench three. But you never know. Let's say he comes back on March 20th. That would be fantastic. It would be great. And Denver's going to have some things that... Like You can get to your strengths pretty easily when Porter's out there because Denver's strengths really show through when their three-pointers are dropping. You get the cuts from Jokic and and, and him seeing the floor really well and finding the open gaps in the defense. Uh, You get one-on-ones for Nikola Jokic where he can then go to work and score by himself. Uh, You'll get the high-variance performances for Denver where they can start matching up with some of the other teams. From an offensive potency standpoint, Denver hasn't been able to match up with the plus 500 teams that well this year because they don't have the firepower. Frankly, if you get back one of your pieces of firepower, then then that might change. It might not, but we're gonna see. The reason I want to talk about recalibrating expectations is because I don't know if Murray's coming back, and. I have been pretty vocal saying that I thought he was. I've been hearing from a variety of people throughout this process that they thought he was. Um, There have been several interviews that have been conducted over the course of the last week or so that have sort of painted a picture that Murray is a little bit behind in his physical recovery, in that he's still feeling pain. Uh, There was an, an article or a podcast or whatever done on complex sports where he was talking about it and he feels no rush. Uh, He wants to make sure he's perfectly hundred percent and he's still feeling pain when he continues to play. And that's not a great sign. Of course, you don't want guys to feel pain when they have to go out on the floor. That's not great. Pain is generally a, a bad sign. So Murray has kind of tempered expectations a little bit. Michael Malone has been tempering expectations ad nauseum he also said today that uh, there's zero pressure for Mike, for uh, Jamal Murray to come back. He also said that uh, it's a, probably a good idea to separate the timelines between when Michael Porter is coming back versus when Jamal's coming back that Porter's on a more 3 to 4 month timetable, Jamal's on a year-long timetable and that really changes things. So whether that makes sense or not so that's kind of how they're running with and I do think that it's notable at this point if murray doesn't come back or if he is delayed to the point that let's say like like i was talking about so game 72 is on march 20th that is pretty late in the season april 1st which is a home game against the minnesota timberwolves is game 78 If Murray came back for that game, he's only got five games before the playoffs start. And it seems like his timetable has just been pushed back so much more behind Porter that now we're reaching the threshold of time where it may not be a good idea to bring him back for a playoff run at all. That it might just be a good idea to let him continue to work out and get his body ready and and try to load up for next year and that that's probably going to be better for him it may or may not be true i'm not sure if i subscribe to that notion that delaying the progress and delaying some of the work the, the groundwork that you would lay at the, the the end of this season that would really help for the beginning of next year but the fact is they're they're still working for next year at that point not necessarily for this year So, if you have a hampered Murray come back, or if you don't have Murray come back at all, then it might lead to some of the same issues for Denver, where some of their strengths, like I said, with the three-point shooting, when that's going down, things are just drastically different for this team. When they don't go down, and when the weaknesses kind of show through, like they did tonight, I think you've got three things that you're really looking at from this group that are going to really hold them back in a playoff environment. Offensive creation without Nicole Jokic in the starting unit is clearly an issue. Monte Morris can't do it all. Will Barton can't do it all. Jeff Green, Aaron Gordon. Those guys, like Jeff Green's not a creator. He's a finisher. Purely a finisher. And acting like he's anything more than that is probably wrong. Aaron Gordon, to a degree, can be a creator at times. He can be a very strong passer, but he had a game tonight where he had zero assists, two turnovers, and was just a complete no-show. From a playmaking standpoint, that doesn't exactly give me credence and belief to the fact that that's going to get much better in a playoff environment where teams really hyper-focus on his weaknesses. Denver's got some real kinks to work out, and Another one of those is that when Denver forces, or when defenses force Denver, excuse me, when defenses force Denver to give up the three or to go for the open three all the time, where you've got games like tonight, where they're packing the paint on Jokic extensively, they're pre-rotating. This is something that I thought would be an issue prior to tonight specifically. And it's been an issue for them for the entire year that when teams show early on Nikola Jokic, his biggest weakness is that he's so unselfish that he wants to get the ball out of his hands to the open guy. Unfortunately, it puts the onus of creation on them too consistently. And the Thunder, despite the fact that they don't have anybody to defend Jokic one-on-one, have done their job against Jokic offensively. By getting the ball out of his hands. They force other players to beat you. And this is why Michael Porter would be helpful in a situation like this where, hey, you you rotate off of him. You're not necessarily feeling great. And then you put the defense in rotation when he drives the closeout and then can kick out to somebody else or finish at the rim. Denver's had these issues consistently with the Nuggets or with the Jokic offense this is something that hasn't changed. When teams crowd the paint, when they force others to beat them, sometimes they will. Sometimes Will Barton will have a great game or Monte Morris will have a great game and they'll shoot the ball well and everything will be hunky-dory. Sometimes they'll go into these dry spells and more often than not, when you have players and defenses that are working on a string a little bit better, it's going to be more bad than it is more good. Finally, perimeter defense. Trey Mann got into the lane at will tonight. Isaiah Roby, stretch five, somebody who really punished Jokic and others for not closing out all the way or for helping on those drives, and then Isaiah Roby was left open. That was really what happened tonight was that Shea Gilchis alexander got into the paint at will, and they kicked the ball out to Isaiah Roby as a result because Jokic was helping at the rim. That wasn't the only reason. And I do think that those athletic types can be really difficult for Jokic at times. So he has that issue on the perimeter. But AG, like I talked about, falling off defensively. Monte Morris, Will Barton, they're never good. And we're getting to the point now with Will, where tonight Shea Gilchrist-Alexander said, I want you in the action. I am going to get by you. I am going to put you in the pick and roll. You are going to switch on to me. And then I am going to score. Or I'm going to create something. And he did it every time down the stretch. There was a time where Will Barton couldn't let that happen to him. Where he didn't let that happen to him. Sometimes Will has a negative reputation on the defensive end that isn't deserved. This one was like, this was really bad. It was alarming to the point that he was being sought out. It's the first time in a long time that I've seen somebody seek out Will Barton and that mismatch. Very interesting. There are going to be some major speed bumps in the playoffs. Because teams are going to watch this game. They're going to watch the Clippers game, the Hornets game, some of the Warriors games where Denver scored 87 points and the only reason that they won was because the Warriors scored 85. Teams that bait Jokic to get rid of the ball are going to win. They're going to beat Denver. The Nuggets are going to be in for a tough playoff series. Unless Jokic can figure out how to navigate those double teams better, can maybe fake the pass a little bit better, try to get defenses to give him some space, or perhaps he has to take a little bit less efficient shots and make them at the same rate. Because right now, it's really tough to see what Denver can do in a playoff series Unless the three-point shots are going down, and I've had this battle with Matt Moore for much of the year, where he's like, "But Ryan, they haven't made a like." I, I keep say I keep tweeting about the effective field goal percentage and how it's been fantastic, and it has been fantastic. But I need to see the three-pointers in a playoff series before I actually trust them. Before I actually say that this is real. Like I believe that Bryn Forbes is a great shooter. I do. I don't know if anybody in Denver starting lineup right now can be considered a great shooter. I think Will Barton is a good shooter who currently is in his own head because he's got this record that's hanging over him. I think Monte Morris is a good shooter who more often than not is good, just happened to have a bad night tonight. I think Nikola Jokic has had four air balls in the last three games, and that's kind of concerning from a three-point percentage standpoint. He does not look locked in on those threes. I think Jeff Green has had a bad shooting year, and I don't expect that to turn around anytime soon, and I don't think that Aaron Gordon is a good shooter, frankly. Denver has one great shooter on their roster, Bryn Forbes. Michael Porter, if he's healthy also counts in that category. Jamal Murray, for all his for all the great things, isn't a an elite shooter. He's very, very good, but the, he can also go dry at various points. And to expect him to be anything more than that, to expect him to be elite, would be crazy, in my opinion. It'd be insane. So even if he does come back, is Denver going to be okay? Are they going to be able to shoot the ball well enough? against some of these teams with just Michael Porter coming off of back surgery and Bryn Forbes and hoping that the rest of the starting unit and bench unit can do it? I don't know. I really don't. I uh, i have a lot of concerns. And maybe they'll dispel them. Maybe over the course of this next month and a half, I'll look like an idiot. I look like an idiot, fr- like frankly, a lot. When covering this team, because every time I make a declaration, they seem to go the other way. They seem to surprise me. We're just going to have to see, because I am concerned, and I do think that perhaps this was a one-off game. Perhaps I shouldn't be necessarily thinking too much about this. This was just a historically bad shooting performance from Denver starters that I don't know if I necessarily want to just... Like, chuck this game out the window. But this was against the OKC Thunder. And, like, it's just so difficult to dismiss it and not think that the Phoenix Suns or the Dallas Mavericks or the Utah Jazz or the Memphis Grizzlies or the Golden State Warriors could give Denver the same issues. Like, Denver's going to have the same issues against all these other teams because they have better personnel. And they also have smart coaching. It's going to be tough. Lastly, this game, Jokic's MVP case takes a hit. Like, frankly, minus 27 against the OKC Thunder. I don't care how it happened. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Jokic was clearly the best starter out there tonight. Like, not even close. But it just doesn't matter. Like, you can't be minus 27 in a game like this. He gets one. And frankly, he's had a lot of he gets one games post-All-Star break. He's had multiple against the Kings. He had one against the Blazers. Now he's got this one against the Thunder. At what point are we getting the best version of Nikola Jokic? Is he continuing to save it? Does he want the MVP? I think the answer to that last one is emphatically no. I don't think he cares and if if he does care it's probably that he wouldn't want it cuz there's a lot of pressure that comes with it. There's a lot of vitriol that comes with it too. Because everybody else then hates him. But I do think that this game in particular hates it, it, it hurts his case. And there are going to be other games where he can make this up. Like you win that game against Philly and continuing to kind of keep pace with Philly for much of the year, and you probably have an MVP award. But I do think people are going to look at this game, and they're going to be like, what the hell happened? And they'll look at the rest of the starters, and they'll be like, okay, so they shot like shit. But Jokic also had six turnovers and four assists. And he was also minus 27. And his primary matchup also shot the ball incredibly well. Those are fair critique they're fair critiques. For sure. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see what the fallout is. I am just as curious as everybody else. I hope this is a one-off. I hope that they can get right against Houston. Hope they can get right against the Warriors. Um Hope they can get right against the Pelicans. Like all of those teams have played like not the Warriors, but the Rockets took the Utah Jazz to OT this day, this game, this day. Good Lord. And the Pelicans just look like a much better team than they have been over the course of the past couple months. Like they're, they're playing really, really well and they give Denver issues too, obviously. So Denver's in some deep shit. Like there's, there's a chance that I don't want to say it. Let's keep it positive. Let's hope this is a one-off. If they get right against Houston, if they play well these next couple games, they can get at least two of three. And if they get at least two of three, they're going to be fine. But you can't let the T-Wolves catch you. If you do, you're asking for trouble. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back tomorrow. We'll probably be going over some of these playoff matchups in more detail. I think that everybody we're at that we're at that point where we can really start honing in on some of the playoff matchups specifically. And I do think that that deserves some time. Thank you so much everybody for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Talk to you guys very soon.